Good day, and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with uh, co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy? Oh, doing well, doing well. It's very hot over in Ireland. It's north of 25 degrees, and the Irish are literally burning, melting, and breaking out in freckles in every which location. It looks like people have been sunbathing underneath sieves. It's that bad. <laughs> but, but the weather is good, so I cannot complain. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm kind of uh, remote today. I'm not my usual home office. I'm actually visiting family for the holiday weekend, so um, I apologize for any background noise you know, right now, just in case, because... I don't have my quiet area like I do in my office. So, but everything's good here. Just a little bit of rain. It's actually nice and cool here today, and not humid. So, the weather is a little bit like your weather usually is. We're yeah, kinda, absolutely. We're, we're, we're kind of opposite uh, for weather for each other. So, absolutely. And, and in typical Irish fashion, let's just cut out the uh, the talking about the weather and let's move on to our very hot topic for today. Um, we have a really interesting podcast for you today. This is in light of some recent announcements um, around GPU enablement and and VDI. There's been some comments from uh, some industry pundits around GPU should be enabled for all all environments. And with us today, we have a fantastic panel for you to talk about what VGPU is, what value it adds, and what are the current limitations or challenges that that may be perceived. Uh, On the line today, we have Sean Massey um, standing up for the VMware um, Horizon suite. Uh, Sean is a expert. Expert EUC and has uh, many, many years' experience. Do you want to say hi, Sean? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Sean Massey, um, and really looking forward to being here on the podcast today. And as you said, Andrew, I'm a VMware EUC V expert. Um, and yes, I have quite a few years of experience with uh, with the Horizon Suite. And I'm being attacked by a cat right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who wants to lay right on my keyboard because it's there's room apparently. They Fair. know I'm trying to do something. So, um, so we have Sean and his cat, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, uh, who also has a history of doing this last year on Virtual Design Master, right in the middle of judging, hopped up right in front of my webcam. Nice. So. Very good. So um, the cat likes the limelight, does it? Yes. Perfect. Okay, so uh, another uh, gentleman who needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever. On the line we have CTP, MVP, um, Thomas Poppelgart, a.k.a. Mr. Remote Graphics, joining us today. Thanks very much for coming, Thomas. Yeah, thank you for, for participating. It's a great pleasure to be part of this frontline chat for the first time. Awesome, and a man who needs uh, knows, or a man who needs absolutely no introduction, a, a veteran pundit in our industry, captain of the one-liner on Twitter, uh, Simon Bramfit. <laughs> well, thanks for the introduction. I do not know why I deserve this reputation, um, where it's come from. Um, uh, I have no clue, but uh, nevertheless, I'm here. I shall do my best to inform and entertain. Awesome. Okay, so GPU in virtual desktops. So this is this is a technology that you know Thomas particularly has been following for many some years. Thomas has been a, a massive advocate for GPU in in virtual desktop environments. Uh, Thomas, would you like to tell us a little bit about what vGPU is, or G, you know GPU acceleration for for virtual desktops? Uh, so GPU acceleration for desktops. Well, you can look at it. At, it's it's actually pretty simple. So when you have a computer, you are, you have memory, you have CPU, you have storage, and you have a GPU. So uh, the GPU is used when you have applications that are using the language that are coded for using a GPU. So that's why you need a GPU. 
And uh, for many years, many applications, primary like high-end CAD applications has been typical using the GPU. Companies has been centralizing these solutions and want to look at remote graphics solutions to, to centralize the compute. Uh, but it's also used for gaming, right? So, you know, gaming is, is compute visualized. Uh, that's why you need a GPU, so you have all the visualization. But GPU is also used for processing, it's used for mathematics, data crunching, high-performance compute. It's used actually for, for, for quite a lot of stuff. So it's actually primary for many companies or even for, for developers use instead of the CPU or together with the CPU, but simply by crossing down numbers faster. So the GPU is actually quite important component. Absolutely. So, I mean, a lot of us will remember the GPU's days back in the, 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 the voodoo card era when we were all playing games in DOS. And from there, the, the GPU very much kind of took over. You had your AMDs, you had your uh, ATIs, you had your, your, had your NVIDIA cards. And as time went by, you know, Intel particularly started to kind of commoditize this market and add it as a chipset on the board. So I think from a, from a maturity point of view, the GPU kind of came out of, of that. So, I mean, when we talk about desktops, uh, uh, virtual what we're really doing is we're taking something that has existed on desktops or laptops for quite some time. Would that be fair? And then trying to now look at how we can implement those kind of GPU acceleration uh, that that users may be used to from their desktops and laptops. That's true. So you know, the GPU actually in virtualization has been been out there for actually quite many years. I, I've been I've been working since seven with with the technologies. So so the technology has been out there for for really a lot of years now. Uh, and and that, I think that's, that's quite ins- inspiring looking back at what, what, you know, why, where are we now uh, since where we were there? Uh, so <laughs> there's actually a lot of applications that still needs a big GPU. And where we are today is, is we, we can virtualize the GPU, we can cut it up in density, and put a lot of users on. And that's why companies are doing it uh, because it becomes more cost effective and, and you know this is also why why it's really important to talk about it when when when, when does it matter when does it not matter um, but I, I think from my perspective it, it's actually uh, I, I don't like that everybody's just looking about density 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 we should be more focusing about user experience and, and what is the purpose that you're trying to do Absolutely. So, I mean, we're going to cover off some of that as we go through the podcast. But I suppose from, you know, you you obviously work with 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 GPU kind of day in day out. And as I said, you have been you have been an advocate for quite some time. You know, whereas you know, Sean and I shared a a, a similar kind of a view on this when it regards to RDS and VDI. I mean, Sean, from from your own workings in in what you've done in desktop virtualization and the VMware stack, how how kind of important have you seen GPU so far, or what is, what is the uptake you've seen in in your own markets? Well. So from what I've seen in the VMware side is kind of two things. One is GPU is important for, you know, the high-end 3D workloads. Uh, like Thomas said, there's uh, there's some workloads that really do push a graphics card. A lot of the stuff in CAD these days is moving towards 3D uh, building information management using tools like Autodesk Revit. Um, there's other tools like uh, SolidWorks and Autodesk Inventor that are really heavy in 3D for more of the manufacturing design type stuff. And the other area is medical imaging, where you're doing stuff with, you know, 3D MRI, 3D CAT scan, processing that sort of data. Um, 
So, so that's one segment of it. But the other side of it is more general purpose business desktop replacement or business desktop remote access. And in those cases, you're dealing with things like Office, a web browser, things like that. Things that today are being coded to offload stuff to the GPU on like a backend side for rendering. But overall, they don't push it really hard. So it's one of those things that's kind of, it depends on your use case, whether or not you need it. Now, one thing that VMware does do with Horizon View is they do have a soft 3D um, emulated GPU, essentially, that's done in CPU. Um, there are some there are some drawbacks to using that technology, which we'll probably get into a little bit later here. Um, but that seems to be what's being adopted for most use cases that don't really need the high-end 3D um, acceleration requirements. So that's what you're seeing out there. Okay, that, that's, that's, that's good yes. to know. And I mean, I, I suppose from an industry and from a, from an analyst point of view, Simon, how do you see the GPU in, in the current state? And where, uh, what, what do you see the use case for it? Well, I think it's important hmm. to uh, look, to start with, why we're even having uh, this conversation. As you said, uh, we've gone, in, in our conventional desktop environment, we... Uh, expect a GPU to be there. There is no need to make any purchasing decision if you're buying a run-of-the-mill business desktop. Uh, it will have a GPU. It will not have a high-end uh, NVIDIA GPU as a separate physical board, but there is a chipset on the motherboard that functions as a basic GPU. So if we've had that on the, as a mainstream on the desktop since forever, why are we having this conversation today about VDI and GPU? Uh, the, the, the fundamental difference between the two is when we do VDI, we're doing it not on a desktop uh, chipset, but we're doing it on a server chipset. And servers, as a rule, don't have any GPU capabilities uh, built in. So we, we've got to go right from uh, the starting point of, there is no graphics acceleration capability at all. And to that, get... that, that, I, I'm sorry, but Simon, you're really wrong with this. NVIDIA, they changed the entire industry with the technology. They took all the OEM vendors and they changed all the platforms, embracing NVIDIA Grid massively within one year. And Thomas is off. I knew he'd do that. Okay, so <laughs> um, I, I think I, th I think Simon is getting there. <laughs> but but I, I I do understand what Simon what you're saying. You're talking about existing customers, existing servers who's out there, and then it's about platforms supporting. If I go out and buy a conventional uh, volume server from HP or from Dell or from anybody else. It doesn't come with high-performance GPU capabilities suitable for running multiple virtual desktop sessions on, on that motherboard. I've got to step off the motherboard and go and buy something. Otherwise, I'm falling back to that software GPU, which uh, steals processor resources uh, direct from each individual desktop session. But we, but we are, I, let me jump in real quick, but we are seeing today, even on the E3 or with the Moonshot, um, you're seeing today where you're seeing some of the Intel stuff and some of the AMD stuff come in some of those form factors. But uh, again, it's like, like Simon was saying, 
you, you go buy a general server today, it, it's not going to be GPU enabled. Yeah. The moonshot uh, 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 is an well, exception well, today. Kind of are you guys buying? Come on. Okay, look, I, we're kind of we're kind of eating into into our topics for the, for the rest of the call, and we all knew this was going to be a controversial topic because it is such a hot topic right now. So I tell you what, why don't we, we just jump into the um, j- jump into the webinar or the, the the podcast? So you know, moving swiftly forward. So m- moving forward, let's talk about GPU enablement because there are many technologies available to us that can be introduced. We've already spoken about some of the use cases and some of the some of the hindrances, but we'll we'll come back to those later. So if we were to look at VMware first, um, Sean, w- what technologies are there in the VMware stack that we can leverage today to, to bring a GPU into into a Horizon shared desktop or hosted desktop? So there's um, there's three main technologies in the uh, VMware stack for bringing in a hardware GPU. There is also a software GPU, and I'll touch on that briefly after I go um, here. But the three main technologies are either you pass through the the GPU directly into the VM. There's a method for sharing a virtual, or for sharing a GPU amongst multiple virtual desktops. And then there's also NVIDIA Grid vGPU, which is also another method for sharing a GPU, but there's there's some two trade-offs between them. Um, so the first one, obviously, pass-through um, is known as VDGA, or Virtual Dedicated Graphics Acceleration. Um, that technology is you're basically taking your physical GPU and you're passing that into the VM. So regardless, so it's basically limited to NVIDIA Quadro cards and above, so Quadro Fermi cards and Quadro Kepler cards and grid cards. Um, it you have to take the whole chip, pass it into the VM. So for a grid card, you either have two two GPUs or four GPUs, depending on whether or not you're using a K1 or a K2. You're limited to the number of GPUs on that card if you do dedicate it. You also can't move that VM around at all. It's basically fixed. To that host. So if something happens and you need to bring that VM some up somewhere else, you have to remove the GPU, power it, move it to another machine, re-add it, and power it on. And that's just because it's passing through directly to the to that particular chip. Uh, the next one is called virtual share or virtual shared graphics acceleration. Now this shares a virtual or excuse me, this shares a GPU amongst multiple desktops, but it uses a driver installed in the hypervisor to kind of do that sharing. So in the VMware space, it will actually use the same driver as the software GPU, um, and then it'll just pass those commands down to a driver in the hypervisor where it'll do the translations and do the uh, 3D acceleration. Now, there's some drawbacks to this one. First off, it involves a lot of math to actually calculate your sizing. And there's a white paper that kind of walks through that out on the VMware website. But the other one is that the software GPU in the VMware stack is a little bit dated. And it only supports DirectX 9 9 and OpenGL 2.1. Well, if you're using anything Windows 7 and newer, you're using DirectX 11. So some of the feature sets um, for the newer uh, Windows versions, uh, excuse me, some of the feature sets for the graphics acceleration in in the newer versions of in the newer versions of Windows can't be used with with that um, shared GPU or with the software GPU. 
The final option is NVIDIA, v, uh, NVIDIA Grid vGPU. Now, this one was just released this year, um, back in March, with Horizon 6.1. It's a feature of vSphere 6, and it actually uses a shared PCI device to attach the GPU to the VM. Uh, there is an application that gets installed inside the hypervisor that kind of handles the scheduling of GPU resources. But essentially, it's passing through the GPU to that desktop. So it's kind of a hybrid between the shared and the pass-through. Um, there's profiles that are created, um, and these are the same profiles that are used whether you're using vGPU on Zen server or vGPU in uh, vSphere. And it controls how much memory the uh, each desktop gets. So that kind of controls how many users can be uh, users per grid card. Um, and I'm sure Thomas is going to go into a little bit more depth on this in the Zen server side. The technology is, as I understand it, pretty similar between VMware and Citrix when it comes to uh, vGPU and the hypervisor. So I'm going to let him kind of go into the deeper technical discussion. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously with the, with the pass-through and the, uh, the shared virtual graphics and the soft GPU, they, they are features that were available before kind of uh, vSphere 6 and, and Horizon 6.1, but obviously the vGPU um, with NVIDIA Grid is, is a new feature that has come with 6.1. Uh, I mean, historically Zen Server has been the, the market leader for, for the, the NVIDIA Grid and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to hand over to Thomas Poppelgarten now um, uh, to talk to us about the technologies that are available in Zen Server today and maybe even a little history shot or uh, uh, Thomas uh, if, if you wouldn't mind on, on kind of how this technology came to be yeah 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 so so Citrix they have a solution where in the old days you actually took a physical machine and then you just put in the the, the VDA and then you connect it to your machine through HDX or ICA and then in 2011 Citrix they um, made it general available with GPU pass-through with sensor, so you could put in multiple uh, GPUs. And at that time, it was actually the Quattro, so it was very popular with Quattro 2000, Quattro 4000 GPUs. Yeah, so you could have multiple VMs, which means you're going to have a higher density, right? And and for some companies, that was very compelling, but it was not compelling enough because of, it was not high density. And that's why it was actually changed in 2013. Uh, this is where NVIDIA, they released NVIDIA Grid, uh, together uh, with the vGPU technology, so you could share the GPU um, with with the scheduler they have. So you, sm- you install the grid driver inside the, the hypervisor of the sensor, like you do on VMware with these VS6, and then you can uh, build uh, either up to fir- 16 profiles with with a K2 or or 32 profiles uh, with a K1. Well, depending on how many, many G- more GPUs you put in, you can go up to 96. Um, and that, that there's, of course, there are some limitations in how many GPU can you put in before uh, they can process the capacity of the vGPU. But then you probably also run out of other capacity like CPU memory and other things, um, which is actually quite an interesting thing to talk about because, you know, what what, what is the next generation of when NVIDIA comes with next generation of grid? Are we going to see a higher amount of density with vGPU? Is it going to be 64? It's going to be 100, uh, 200 in the future or, or whatever. Um, and that, that's that's going to be quite interesting seeing where is the, 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 the bottleneck is going to be. And in it also, I think it's for me, from my perspective, it's actually quite important to talk about GPU pass-through and, and about vGPU and vSGA. So that's limitations. 
about uh, the different ones. So pass through is simply taking the, the bare metal GPU, passing it through from the bare metal to a VM, and then you are installing a driver inside a virtual machine and you get access to all the things that the driver are supporting. So I'm talking about things like OpenCL, CUDA, um, fully support for drivers, fully support for display thing information. So fully support for stuff like 4K, uh, fully support for functionalities, how the, the, the drivers are, or applications are working. You get that functionality with pass-through and you get fully capacity with the pass-through technology. And that, that's with the vGPU, it's a bit different. You, you are then sharing it, but you get each a fixed profile uh, fixed profile, what I mean by that is you get fixed profile with, with the, the frame buffer, which is the GPU memory, and then there's the computation where you get a fixed profile. But the, you also have a scheduler who's actually giving capacity. So if one VM is actually overusing uh, compute, he can actually uh, make impact on the other systems because that's how the technology is built. Um, so you can actually go in and have one where you're running an application that is incredible GPU in sense, and you can actually imp in, in impact the entire system with compute. This is something a lot of people actually don't know about. Um, vGPU is a great, great technology because it's supported by OEMs, it's supported by software vendors, and you can have high density, but again, there's also limitations in the technology. Uh, you do get though full support for DirectX versions. So I'm talking about DirectX from the old ones up to the latest 11. And then there's uh, the OpenGL where you also get fully support up to the latest version, which is 4.4. So, you know, OpenGL, DirectX, they're quite equal with GPU pass-through and vGPU. But then when you talk about OpenCL and CUDA, you don't get that in vGPU and you don't get, uh, there's also some, some display functionality where they have limited the display resolutions in the vGPU in current moment. Okay, so I mean, just to just to rewind, make sure I, I, I understand. So, so with Citrix technologies, you can have a GPU in a, in a PC as it stands with remote PC. You can do GPU pass through yes. with with um you know with, with what Zen Server had initially, and of course Zen Server was the first to support NVIDIA Grid vGPU as well. Is that fair? That's correct, and you can also, if you want to go into command line interface, you can actually add multiple GPUs to a VM. You can do that also in vSphere. Uh, but there is a difference between the two of them. Uh, do you want to do you want to know the difference? Because I have actually never talked about this. Please fire away. So the difference between the vSphere and, and Sensor is actually when you want to do a change on your VM from vGPU to GPU pass-through and the vSphere six. You, uh, if you want to go and you said, okay, I took a VM and I just gave it a vGPU, and now you want to give it a GPU pass-through, then you actually need to go inside the host level and enable the pass-through GPU, and then you need to shut down the entire host of enabling pass-through to the VM. All these things you don't have to do in the sensor. You just go in, do property, change vGPU into a GPU pass-through. So that's, you know, you, you can see that VMware is still pretty new in, in, in the stuff, what they're doing. They're doing a bit different. Um, how they ha, ha, are consuming the, 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 the PCI and, and the password technologies compared to, to, to Citrix. Okay, so that's interesting. So, you know, in a, in, a, in a live troubleshooting or a live modification point of view, you can change a pass-through through, through a, to a vGPU with Zen Server, but at the moment with, with, um, with vSphere, you need to do that with, through a couple of manual tasks involved changing the host and restarting the machine. Is that fair? 
and, and that can be quite annoying, right? Because if you already have people working on the system, you're evaluating these things, or you're running a production, and you need to change some stuff, then you need to do a maintenance window. That <laughs> that that is really something to 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 uh, consider. That's I'm not, I'm not, I, no. I don't want to say anything bad about VMware, but it's just that it's actually different between the two hypervisors. Oh, no, I get you. It's just funny, though, having worked with financials for so long, and when you said making a change in production, I actually shivered a little there. <laughs> <laughs> financials have taught me to change nothing in production, but whatever, yeah, no. Come on, I, it's just a reboot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, hear your, I hear your point, buddy. I hear your point. So, I mean, we, we can't talk about VMware and Zen Server without talking about the, 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 the smaller vendor in this market, Microsoft. So, obviously, Microsoft can do, do some stuff stuff with with eGPU around remote effects and even bare metal. Uh, and to our latest MVP in uh, in remote desktop services, congratulations, by the way, Thomas. Um, would you like to talk to us about the options in Microsoft Technologies? Yeah, so so Microsoft, they have remote effects uh, in 2008, R2, and, and of course, 2012, R2. And, and they, they're really excited with, with 2016. Uh, I can't talk about much about that yet, uh, what they're doing. Um, but if you look at the current stack, uh, so they have this um, uh, API intercept uh, where you have to have GPU, you have to have remote FX supported GPUs, and uh, you can go into Microsoft and you can actually see which one is validated for that. Uh, there is limitation with the technology, though, that you are only supporting DirectX 9. Up, uh, you know that that's the limitation with with 2008 R2 and 2012. They they are supporting DirectX 9, 10, 11. An OpenGL 1.1, and and uh, you know this is where if you look at Citrix, they they have actually coded some. They've done some pretty good um, uh, coding where they enable actually RDS both 2008 and 12 with OpenGL up to the latest version. So that's quite amazing. They 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 built the small component so they can do do uh, yeah. If your application they have yeah if you have application that use OpenGL up to 4.4, you can actually use RDS and Citrix. Oh, very good. Okay, but it wouldn't be unlike a Microsoft RDS product to have limitations now, would it? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're just just on that topic. I mean, we talked about pass-through. We talked about um, kind of shared slash vGPU. Um, where would you see the difference of wh- why would one user use a pass-through GPU and why would another user use a shared GPU? In your, in your opinion, um, Thomas, I'm going to hand over to Sean after that. Yeah, so it's, it's actually quite, you know, this is the really important stuff. So um, if you don't know your applications and you look at what, which, which, what is your background, uh, are you uh, high-end CAD applications, you know, uh, then really understand what, what, your, what your need is. Uh, because sometimes it can make sense actually giving them entire pass-through if you need capacity. So if you go one step back about that, assessments. Go in and understand how your applications are like actually communicating with the GPU because this is where you can go from a pass-through scenario to a vGPU scenario. So maybe you don't need that much GPU if your application is actually not utilizing the GPU. And this is where, where we would get good benefit of, of uh, going to a small GPU profile so your CAD application don't need it. Um, the interesting thing is <laughs> there's a lot of things ha- changing in the next version of Windows 10 and, and 2016 where they're actually going to utilize the GPU massively. So, you know, it's <laughs> we talk about density, and then you're going to see next year, you're going to see a lot of applications really, really utilizing GPU. Uh, but again, let so you ask me, when does it make sense for pass-through? Um, so if you take VDIs, vGPU is, is a perfect example. But, you know, it's if you have 
uh, if you're designing a lot of stuff that is very GPU intense, like a, a, a car manufacturer or you're making airplanes, a lot of these companies, they, they're, they're actually using an entire huge GPU per user uh, where the pass-through technology really can make sense. And this is why you need to understand what is your requirement before you're giving exactly what you need. Um, so everything depends on the use case. Okay, so if I if I understand what you're saying is in scenarios where a massive amount of GPU and throughput is required, pass through may actually be a better scenario for that user. Whereas shared virtual graphics would be kind of more of your lower end designer slash power worker. Would that be fair? Yeah, uh, and and the interesting thing is, if you want to hear what I've been doing out in the field for for the last year, is actually doing pass through with Synapse. And why I'm doing that is actually because I'm giving access to a, a, a full capacity GPU. I get full capacity to the driver. So I have no limitation in the driver, right? Uh, and you're sharing. I, I know exactly what's happening with the GPU. You're not sharing with, with a scheduler. And you, so you also get access to like 4K and that, that, that's a lot of cool stuff you go you get access to higher density numbers perfect okay so we're going to talk about Zenap in, in a little bit i mean sean from your from your experience out there did you see any other use cases for pass through and shared well to be honest most of the clients i've worked with haven't had a need for gpu it's been more business case the one client or the one use case where they were looking strongly at gpu was in an electrical contractor they were looking to centralize because they were distributed across the country, all their designers and engineers, but the files were in a central data center. They were actually waiting. They were, they were waiting for vSphere 6 so they could look at vGPU um, be, because so, they wanted to try to get a little bit higher density out of the investment. So, so, her, so. more more users per, let me rephrase it, more users per, per machine because there was also a budget number that they didn't want to exceed when they did this. Sean, this is really, really a good topic to talk about. Oh, Thomas, I, I know exactly where you're going to go with this one, and it's, it's, it's going to come up in, in a minute or two, so let's, uh, let, <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just jump on that one now in a second. So, okay, well, great. So we understand what, what GPU is. We understand what te- technologies are available to us at this very given day. Um, so let's, let's t- move into some of the topics that we have for today. So let, let's talk about GPU and, you know, in its current form and fashion, where does it mo- make most sense? And kind of, Sean covered off some of that, and I know you wanted to jump straight back in there, Mr. T- Public so why did I hand it over to you first? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we're talking about what vendors are telling us on a strategic board, what they're telling, what the market needs, or do we actually talking about customer experience? And to be honest, assessment, doing assessment, analyzing applications, how they're using GPU, even from my perspective, has been quite new. It's only been doing for one year where I've really been understanding what are the applications really doing. And this is really important because when we can go in and, and and predict how applications are behaving, this is why we can start designing better data centers and better clouds. And 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 one of the things I did here last year, I worked for, did an assessment for a very large customer, an oil and gas customer, where we monitored 1,600 machines in three months. And they, they were actually using high-end GPU applications and want to virtualize them with, with grids and just want to need what is the capacity. And what we find out on the average uh, even with peak and so so on, was that they didn't need so much GPUs. And and what the really eye opener for us was actually seeing that the browsers were actually using more GPU capacity. I'm talking about GPU compute than 
the cat applications. So why why is this happening? So this you know this is simply because applications we don't know how applications actually work with the GPU. We don't know how they are. We look at what the vendors are telling us to buy either the biggest GPU, but maybe you don't need it. Maybe you do. But how can we go in and look at these numbers? And I, I think I think this another subject is why is browsers using massive GPU? Because browsers, there's a big race happening right now between Microsoft, Firefox, and Google, and the other competitors. And you know, the faster you can move and interact inside a browser with either sound and video and browsing, scrolling, this is actually where it's offloading the GPU to this, which is actually taking care of this. Okay, so in a scenario where you had GPU available to you, you found that actually, you know what, most use cases actually suited it because that browser was using so much GPU compute in a VDI scenario. And by VDI, we mean virtual desktops, one-to-one connectivity, yeah? So this was physical machines. So another thing what I've been seeing is because I've been looking at a lot of Synapse-based customers out there where they're complaining about browsers are consuming massively CPU. And you know why? That's because they do software rasterize because the, G- the applications are built for introduce the GPU. Yes, I know, Sean, you can go in and then you can disable the hardware graphics and then you're helping some with the user experience, but you're not giving the, the user experience that the user might expect. And oh. this, so, you know, and, and I think this is the, actually, for me, what is about cost and user experience? Do, do you care about your user or do you just want to put in an, implement, a, 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 an environment, a build a, a, a new solution and don't care about what the user is saying? Do you, yeah, no, I, I get that absolutely. But I mean, obviously, there's there's uh, there's there's always going to be trade-offs. And um, I mean, Sean, you wrote that you wrote that blog post around GPU and and you know where it touched off on on um, you know some of the density challenges and all that kind of stuff. And we'll we'll get to the density conversation in a minute. But I mean, for for me, and I, I think I would be similar to you because I don't do very much GPU day to day. I mean, where do you see the GPU making most sense in 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 current day VDI? Yeah. Okay. So, so. Uh, hold on, Thomas. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. So, I'm with Thomas on that. There, there are definitely use cases uh, for GPU in in the modern VDI environment and in modern data centers. Um, I agree with them that when you go, when you're looking to do VDI, obviously you should be doing assessments, especially when it comes to. Um, the higher end applications, the users who you already know, or you're already buying a machine that has that higher end GPU. So you definitely need to do that assessment. You definitely need to understand what's going on there. Um, and whether or not what the vendor's telling you is what's actually being used. Um, one place I'm going to disagree though, is to say that, well, my analysis says, Revit or AutoCAD or SolidWorks or any of them aren't hitting the GPU that hard, so we don't need a higher profile. A lot of customers I know would be kind of nervous about that just because that does factor into the supportability. And there are vendors out there who will say, well, you're not using a card that's on our supported list, so we're not going to help you. So, Sean, I can actually reply that very fast. NVIDIA Grid Grid team is using a lot of effort making sure that the software vendors is actually supporting their stack with even smaller profiles. Oh, and, and I don't I don't disagree with that. I know today, like the one case I was looking at a couple months ago with Autodesk Revit, at the time when I looked at it, they only supported one profile, and that was the highest profile on a Grid K2 card. 
So uh, the 280Q, I believe, is the, the profile that it was uh, required. So that, that and I know, I know the NVIDIA grid team and the application vendors are working on narrowing that down, but that is one factor that does need to be taken into consideration when you're sizing out your environment and when you're planning to do it. Will the vendor support it? And what profile do I need to select or do I have to use pass-through to get to get what I need? Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So so it's not so cut and dry as, yeah. Yeah, no, it's kind of a big. It depends. Yeah, I, I get that completely. I mean, I suppose from from a from an analyst and from an industry point of view, Simon. I mean, what what do you see out there as 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 what is what is grasping the the GPU use case from what you're seeing? Really, uh, we're at an interesting point here where the industry as a whole is lagging behind uh, people like Thomas. He's uh, in uh, a very fortunate position to be right on the front line of uh, an emerging trend. We're not uh, there yet, but there is um, slow growing awareness of the importance of GPUs in VDI. And I've mentioned this on a couple of occasions in the past, but I think it's worth repeating that uh, the the biggest VDI conference of the year is not Synergy, it's not VMworld, it's NVIDIA's uh, GPU tech conference. Uh, There is more uh, VDI vendors there, uh, there are more sessions uh, at GPU tech uh, on VDI than either VMware, VMworld or Synergy, and possibly even both of them combined. The hard part is recognizing the need. We are, there's no simple, well-defined rules that say this is when you need GPU and this apply this profile to this particular workload because too much well, depends on individual businesses' use of these very powerful, uh, richly capable products that are used in very many different ways depending on uh, the business function that they're servicing. So we start off with how do I decide whether or not I need GPU support? And I'm sure Thomas, uh, when he uh, is working with his business customers, um, doesn't go anywhere without an in-depth assessment. And without that, uh, we are going to just do nothing other than make best guesses, which in in this industry, more than uh, general purpose VDI, are most likely to be wrong guesses. You know, Understood. Real, real, okay. So, real quick, real quick. Sorry, Jeremy. Let me jump in. And I think, you know, you guys have made some great points there. It is the biggest thing this comes down to, um, instead of saying, you know, no one doesn't need a vGPU or everyone needs a GPU, is understanding your workload, using these assessment tools, getting that information and making your judgments based on that instead of just making these blanket comments that have been made recently. But beyond, beyond the high-performance uh, graphics tools um, like we're using in medical imaging and products like Revit, uh, I do think, though, it is this uh, stealthy 
uh, upsurge in GPU utilization that the browsers are causing that are going to be uh, the, uh, the tipping point from don't need GPU to absolutely must have GPU in the future. And then we run into all of the uh, challenges that uh, Sean has mentioned in the past uh, around the, the form factors for these devices uh, where we move from I need to support a relatively small number of end users with high performance graphics to I need to support all of my users with high performance graphics and what that does uh, for the footprint uh, of the product in the data center. Understood, and I, I think um, you know I, I I agree with both parts. I think one thing that Thomas has on on a lot of us is just how much time he's been working in the GPU market, and he's seen how the the G, adding a GPU can make you know a significant difference even to the smaller fringe use cases. So you know, m- m- moving along, I mean, throughout this conversation, we've talked about benefit, and sometimes it's it's hard, uh, from what I can see, to to uh, tangibly justify the benefit of a GPU outside of those use cases we've mentioned in high graphics. I mean, when you look at fact and figures for GPU, it is hard to see. I mean, there's no really good white papers out there that'll tell you that GPU will reduce X CPU or improve user user yes. satisfaction yes. by Y. By, <laughs> by y. Yes, absolutely. But I mean, so like, would you agree with that statement that, you know, is there facts and figures currently as it stands or is it all in user perceived benefit? I'm going to hand over to Sean first if that's okay. Well, real quick, real quick. And also too, has anyone actually done on the same hardware any scalability testing of soft versus hard and then turning the GPUs off on the same exact CPU core count, memory count, and, and so forth. And has anyone done that testing? Is that out there anywhere? Silence. Personally. So, so to, sorry, go on. Oh, okay, so to two of those points. Um, first off, I think there is a tangible benefit to it by offloading a lot of the graphics-intensive stuff to the GPU, like with web browsers, because they are becoming more GPU-intense, there will be a benefit. Now, the question is, will the users be able to perceive that benefit? In most of the environments I've I've worked with, the VDI environment has been in a data center. Everybody's been connecting over a WAN link. So any perceived benefits that they would receive are being canceled out by network latency, by... Um, by network latency and bandwidth constraints, and the protocols adapting to address those. Now, as for testing um, and actual numbers and stuff, I haven't seen any um, anything published. I have a, I have a Grid K1 card in my home lab on a R730, and I've been doing testing with uh, with things like um, I can't think of the name of the program now that does GPU benchmarking. There is a difference when you have a hardware GPU installed. Um, it does offload stuff, and I could see a difference in some of the benchmarking scores. But while I was running those benchmarks, I mean, I could see the frames per second that PC over IP sent over the wire to my machine throttled down, even though the GPU is capable of doing 26 to 30 frames per second. Understood. Okay. So, I mean, to, 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 to Thomas, I mean, what's your, what's your experience out there? I mean, are, are, we, are we at the cusp of seeing this kind of, of, of this kind of data coming back to us that we can finally justify why a GPU is beneficial to everybody? Yes, yes, we are. And it's also about choosing the right <laughs> GPUs for the solutions, right? So, and, and, and actually the K1 and the K2 is, is perfect example on 
and where things go really, really wrong. Uh, I've seen so many clients where I help them where they have chosen the wrong GPU because they simply don't understand why there is no capacity. And the the K1 is very, very low on compute. It's a very small GPU that is on the GPU. And I think, I, I think just just on that point, and I think potentially that that's Nvidia's own marketing, or it, it's the perceived figures that you go when you go onto the Nvidia site that you see that you'll get more users in theory on a K1 card that people tend to lean in that direction. Would that be fair? But, and of course, it's very interesting because it's half the price is a K2, right? And it's it's double the amount of number of users with density. But you get but the thing is, frame lower, buffer is yeah, is, is double the, the the size the K2. But the, the compute is so small, and this is where people don't understand how is my application working with compute or with frame buffer, right? We don't understand this. This is brand new technology. Understood. And so so, so yeah, real, real quick too, and I, I've seen some comments you made on Twitter too, but saying about where K1 is kind of, it's, it's kind of like a, a waste of money. Stick with the K2. Would you see a K1 good for more lower end users or any use case, or just stick with the K2 and just completely bypass the K1? <laughs> So it's very simple, Jaren. Uh, you know, there is software out there where, where we can analyze the data all times, like SysTrack that can do this. Uh, also, UpAgent can actually do this. On, 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 and then you can actually get a number on, do you need, just need a big frame buffer? And if you only need the frame buffer, you don't need a compute. But the problem is browsers are using compute. And then you have it again. You, you know, if you have your cat application, but you, also, you always have a mail, you always have Outlook. And that you have browser graphics in the Outlook, which is actually a browser inside the Outlook, right? Which is using the GPU. And then you are using also the browsers. And then that, that is where the math go wrong. Okay, that's fair enough. Okay, so we, 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 can, so, we, can, we can expect to see some data. Sorry, Simon, go ahead. I was just gonna, I heard Lakeside mentioned there. And uh, I think this is something that when we start looking into... Uh, the GPU business, we, we've got to step back and go to people like Lakeside who understand the workloads. Um, because as we stand today, we, we're not very good uh, at benchmarking these uh, applications. So we, we've got to go back to understanding what people are doing today in production and translate that into a virtual infrastructure rather than attempting to benchmark, because I really don't think the benchmarks are up to the job as yet. That's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Login VSI, obviously, as the industry standard, there isn't a huge amount of GPU going in there. Yeah, there's a little bit of browser working. Yes, there's mind map, and yes, potentially there's a Super Mario game for God only knows what reason in there in the VSI benchmark. And yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely something that that you know the the more the more information out there and the more information we see from these kind of validation tests, the more the industry will understand about the topic. Would that be fair? I and I, 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 yeah, exactly. I, I do have to add something. So, so Lakeside they actually they just released the seven two, which is the new version of the SysTrack, where they're actually doing even more with the GPU with Nvidia. But there are limitations. They're not looking at Intel GPUs. They're not looking at AMD GPUs. So when you do an assessment, you probably have a laptop that have an Intel GPU, or probably have an AMD GPU, and then you cannot assessment the, the data, right? And 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 this is actually where 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 UberAgent from Helga Klein, his software, he can actually utilize any GPU. Um, but there's there's difference between the different ones. So you know, how do you choose one besides another one? And <laughs> this is where it can be quite complicated. 
another thing is when you're then doing scale testing, yes, like login VSI can actually, they do have something called a GFX analyzer. So you can actually uh, run frames per second and they can capture that. And then you can actually start to predict um, what is the density on the vGPU profile. So that's something I've done for a lot of clients, creating own workloads inside CAD applications. So do simulation of users before you actually creating a production environment. So you can see how many users can you get on before the GPU or the grids are actually breaking down with performance. So login VSI actually have product for this, but they are in beta. Uh, Goliath also have a technology. Uh, I was in a webcast there last week. They're just uh, they're announcing uh, their, their their product. So they they have this uh, logon simulator where they can simulate users. And then they also capturing data. But the problem about is when you're looking at grid, you cannot capture the compute. Not yet because it's looking directly into the to, to the hardware. So one user, if you have two users, one on each VM. And they are opening up one application. If the one one user is opening up a huge and intense GPU application, it can actually the other user would actually see that because the the, the monitoring solutions are looking direct on the hardware because there's no API into the compute yet. Understood. Okay. So hopefully, then, with time and with with benchmarks and and with you know advancements in technologies, obviously, as you mentioned, Lakeside can help you with this. Goliath can help you with this. Uh, Splunk and Uber Agent from Helga Klein can help you with this. So hopefully, with uh, with time, this information will 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 start to bubble up both from a compute and sharing point of view. Um, also, moving... too, real quick. Sorry, you know, yeah. Also, too, better insight into like like you mentioned. You know, Lakeside is mostly looking at Nvidia. You know, being able to get the assessment tools and to seeing the Intel and the AMD yeah. and so forth. You know, like you said, over time, making sure that we're having the right data, monitoring the right pieces of, of uh, the sessions that we need to see to, to better estimate um, what we actually need and what's, what is actually being done by a user using those graphics cards. Okay, so I mean that's going to help us size our our, our, our implementations and our and our and you know um, doing our due diligence for projects going forward. Uh, obviously, all the way through, we've spoken mostly about VDI. Now, Thomas did put, put, or you kind of touch on hosted shared desktops slash remote desktop services slash Zenapp. Uh, I mean, forgetting about VDI at the moment because VDI is obviously the topic everybody uses for any kind of desktop virtualization these days. Uh, you know, are we seeing use cases or are we seeing use of? Um, of GPU on remote desktop services when virtualized at the moment. I'm going to hand Thomas on this one. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. And I've been doing with a huge success. Existing setup customers, even with VDI, non-GPU enabled, I'm talking about normal task work applications where they've been screaming about it's not working fast enough. And I actually, by enabling this with GPU, I've been actually being able to, to improve the speed on how the applications are working. This is very common at applications. Visual Studio is actually using a lot of GPU. Browsers yeah. using a lot of GPU. Excel, Outlook, and, and, and I could go on, which is really PowerPoint. interesting. PowerPoint, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Death by. <laughs> Death by PowerPoint, yeah. So, but, but it's interesting seeing like an application like Visual Studio is losing a lot of GPU. Who would knew that? You know, mm. I, I get surprised all the time. Um, 
Okay, fair enough. I mean, from from my point of view, I, I haven't seen a huge amount of GPU use out there, except for bare metal um, in in a Zen app point of view, because um, it's uh, it's just not something that that I've tailored for. A lot of the times, a lot of a lot of customers you'll see will will counteract the, the potentially the, the 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 limitation there with with additional CPU, uh, or you know they don't even realize that they they do in fact need it. Um, so yeah, no, it's interesting to know. And you mentioned previously as well that you were going with with pass through in those scenarios, wasn't that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going for password, so it's more because I know somehow what the driver is capable of doing, and uh, because I, I don't like the scheduler when you when you're doing a setup. Because in a setup, you have multiple people sharing already the resources, so you want to know what the resources are when you're actually designing a solution. And uh, with the scheduler, you're actually just adding a complexity. Okay, that's fine. So I mean, uh, Jared, or sorry, I'll answer Sean first. Um, Sean, are you seeing much use case at all for ODS with, with GPU? I haven't seen any personally. Um, one of my other coworkers had also mentioned that he hadn't seen any. Okay, well, that's fine. And Jarian? I've I've only seen you know, some small use cases with it, not as widespread. But it's you know Thomas does have a good point there about you know the bare metal pass through versus the the vGPU because basically you're sharing on top of sharing. So you know definitely going to hit a bottleneck in, in that situation, it possibly. And absolutely. I mean, we're going to have the conversation around footprint later. And obviously, you know, remote desktop services with its higher user density per per kind of CPU, RAM, and storage may actually help you achieve a, a better density figure in in that regard. So yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Simon, do you have anything to add to that topic around RDS? Well, if you hadn't invited Thomas onto this, I would have had a lot to say. But uh, really, <laughs> just everything that Thomas says, I'm it's. I'm seeing uh, exactly the same thing and uh, tackling it in exactly the same way. All right, okay. So, I mean, the, the elephant in the room and the one point that that, that has always challenged me with, with, with GPU is, is, the, is the, the, the footprint. Uh, you know, price as a smaller side, but the footprint. I mean... Uh, uh, if you look at let's take Nutanix as an example, okay? I mean, you've got a you've got a three thousand series um, box there that sits in two U. You get four nodes in that cluster. The, each one of those nodes potentially has two has twelve of twelve cores each, as much RAM as you could shake a stick at, and you know SSD running below. But when you have to stick a GPU into that workload, you're looking at a seven thousand series instead. And in that scenario, what you're doing is you're losing the additional three nodes for <clears throat> a, for a you know a piece of hardware that also sits in to you, but to allow you to use an NVIDIA card. I mean, so the, 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 the footprint of an NVIDIA card as it stands, and only talking about NVIDIA at the moment, is quite a, is quite a hard upsell. I mean, for what, what, what would you, like, are we, you know, when we're looking at this, you know, the, the, the price and footprint, do, do we, do, you know, do, do we go with what we're learning from, uh, you know, kind of... Um, uh, big iron and uh, you know hyperscale technologies where we're cramming as much in and, and spread distributing the load, or should we be looking at another use case if, if, if um, GPU is adding so much benefit to to, to the user's desktop? One thing, yeah. one thing, real quick, I want to add. I wouldn't limit that to just Nvidia because those AMD cards are just as big, and you're probably looking at the same density for the for the when you're doing the sharing. You know, outside mm-hmm. of what you're seeing with with Moonshot, um, they're just as big of a footprint in a server. So, I mean, Thomas, how would you how would you respond to that? You know, I mean, obviously, as as, as a GPU advocate and somebody who who really understands um, the the fringe benefits, when when most of us would potentially say, "Nah, you don't need one." How how do you justify the footprint of a of a grid card? 
uh, first of all, now you're mentioning Nutanix, so Nutanix is extremely limited what they have with, with the hardware, uh, with GPU-enabled uh, servers. It's, you know, they, unfortunately, they don't have um, in, in new models yet. And, you know, that's something I'm hoping they, they will be investigating and seeing, you know, why they need to support GPUs because, you know, they're using Supermicro and Supermicro is actually the vendor that has the highest amount of systems uh, with uh, a GPU enabled by a grid. They have about 30 of uh, maybe 40 systems. It, it uh, might be 30, but it, it's a, a great amount of systems that they have that are GPU enabled. And, and the Nutanix have chosen some components for, for that, for that strategy, uh, which limited, of course, why it's, it's more difficult to, to, to sell the GPU enable, and I understand that, what you're saying. Uh, on the other side, right, if you're an HP customer, if you are a Dell customer or a Supermicro customer or HP, that there are different hardware out there where it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it can be compelling. But again, now we, we are talking about, <laughs> now this is design and choices and such, and, uh, you know, in the tennis is doing a great job. I'm, I'm, I'm just missing, you know, the, the GPU component a bit more in, in uh, broad in the appliances. But are, are most of those appliances, aren't they still, you know, the same, you know, 2U, uh, 3 to 4 cards, you know, the same rack footprint space, though? So the new ones, you know, from Supermicro is actually 1U, which is really interesting seeing what, what's happening right now. And and they, 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 it's like they're looking at what, what Moon, Moon, HP is doing with the Moonshot. Uh, so so bringing in massive amount of of, 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 uh, of resources on, on very low um, um, footprint. Yeah, well, the the footprint thing is um, really unhelpful at this point, and in most use cases, completely unnecessary. Uh, the uh, the four node two U configuration does close the door to um, GPU boards, but uh, there is no real advantage in the majority of data centers to this high density form factor. We don't really measure uh, data center capacity in racks. We, men- we measure data center capacity in power. Uh, well, the, so just just to, just to stop it. It depends. I mean, if if a customer is 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 a colo um, data center, you know, a host, and they're paying per per square foot, then there there is a use case there. But sorry to cut across. Yeah, the, the, the majority of uh, data centers are still, um, the vast majority of data centers still are running at less than ten kilowatts uh, usable power per rack. In in a typical high-density uh, 2U box that is consuming one 1. 1.5 kilowatts, you can't fill a rack. So why focus on these ultra-high-density uh, devices? There's no point. Oh, okay, so I understand. So, I mean, even if we were to look at kind of the prices of CPUs as you increase their core count, it's not a linear line. I mean, as you start to cram more cores in there, the, the price of the CPUs, I mean, if you look at the price of the 18-core Haswells, the prices go absolutely through the roof towards the end of that of, of, that, uh, of that density. So, And that's that's something that I, you know, I was also considering as well. But we're, we're also focused on cramming as much compute into a smaller chassis as possible. Should we actually be looking at a cheaper solution of increasing the, the, the rack space, but, you know, um, reducing the core count from about a price and a, and a power usage point of view? 
Well, there's there's unfortunately two parts to it. Um, whilst uh, there is no point uh, cramming uh, power into a very small uh, form factor device, we've still got to take into consideration in many environments the uh, the number of sessions per device and. Uh, the, the cost of the hypervisor and the hypervisor management uh, starts to, uh, to play in at that point. So a large number of sessions per device is important, but a large number of sessions per U uh, is in almost every case um, unimportant. Yeah, interesting conversation we're having right now. Uh, yeah, so we, we, we're talking about we're talking about now we're talking again about density instead of about talking about user experience. Uh, and, and, this, this is, and you know, I'm gonna get that there's a price, of course, with user experience. But what if what if you only look at density and then the users they start complaining so much and they actually convince the, the executives to go back to physical? That's something I've seen. Oh, I've seen that too. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's always a certain amount of, of executive jewellery or, you know, I, I always attribute that to, to laptops and to printers on desks. It's almost a status symbol. But there also is a is a, is a user-perceived thing that a laptop is mine and it performs better than a virtual desktop. So, no, I absolutely get that. Um, just in the interest of time, I'm going to move the topic on, if that's okay. Um, you know, obviously, we've spoken about, you know, where it makes most sense, how to measure it, what, what, the, what the impact on price and footprint is. But, I mean, th- that's today. And... I think we'd all agree that you know GPU is is definitely going to be a future piece of VDI as we go forward. But what, in your opinion, do you need to change, or do we need to change? I mean, if you could choose three things about the the GPU technologies as we stand today, um, what would you change to make sure that this technology can be brought forward? I'm going to pass to Sean first, if that's okay. All right. So the first thing. I think we need to do is we need to have wider support for more vendors to bring this forward. Today, it's mainly NVIDIA. And it's NVIDIA on Zen Server, it's NVIDIA on vSphere, and I believe NVIDIA also holds the bulk of support for remote FX. So we need to see more support from AMD and Intel to kind of help drive this forward. There needs to be more options because once you start getting more options, you'll start seeing. Um, more more cards that'll start driving the price down. You'll start seeing cards in smaller form factors so you can get higher densities. Um, we also need to have better support for things like vMotion. Now, obviously, that's not going to work when you're doing direct pass-through because it's physically attached to that machine. But when you start doing things like vGPU, you need to be able to move it around from host to host so you can have maintenance windows without having to kill kill all the sessions on a host or if you have a host fail you can predictively move people off or rebalance resources depending on use so those are kind of the two areas that i see that we need to to move this forward yeah <clears throat> so i guess it's me uh one thing I'm, I'm really really missing is is actually seeing the gpu could become a standard component in all servers and and uh you know, interesting in seeing what, what uh, Intel and AMD are doing with the APUs, because they could they could actually eventually become a, a standard component in all servers, um, or that might happen in the future. Uh, but you know, when is it enough with uh, APU compared to high GPU? 
and then we're going into a different conversation. Just to uh, make sure people understand, a, 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 APU is a GPU on die with the CPU, isn't that correct? APU, CPU. Uh, AP, uh, CPU, GPU on, a- on one, yes. On one chip. Okay, perfect. Um, is there can, anything else that you'd like to see change? Uh, so, uh, so I would yes. So I'm missing. I'm missing, of course, Intel in the space, uh, and I'm missing also AMD in the space. So, so uh, Nvidia is not the only one. Um, but then I'm also missing seeing Microsoft imp- really embracing GPU technology for the masses. And I'm talking about clouds now, GPU-enabled clouds. So, what 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 if GPU-enabled clouds really came in in next year in 2016? Would that change the entire industry? So, like Azure with a GPU option? For, uh, with, I, I'm uh, talking about all GPUs. I'm talking about all the, the clouds that's out there. Okay, in Microsoft's example, it would be Azure offering a GPU as part of the as part of a, a VM yeah. template. It could be that. It could also be uh, uh, so. That's like uh, uh, AWS, right? They're only supporting pass through right now. Also, they're not supporting vGPU. They're not supporting also other GPUs that's out there. So the, the more they embrace the GPU, I think that will also accelerate the, the business. But again, NVIDIA is doing a really good job of what they're doing. So I also got to give it to them. Jerry, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I, I think mine is instead of three-pointed, it's two-point. It's availability and flexibility. Um, flexibility being some of the points that Sean said about, about motioning and, and those type of things. Um, availability is being more like, you know, on, on die. You know, have it be a, a first-class citizen on the server hardware alongside the CPU instead of being an afterthought add-on like we're doing today. Um, yes, there are those different solutions out there where you can – they come today like Moonshot and Iris and different things today out there today, but it needs to be more widespread across all the server models instead of just a few um, that we're seeing. Um, my other point is, too, is yes, you know, seeing more of AMD and Intel, um, you're seeing – some support on Microsoft on the AMD side. You're seeing Citrix with their announcement with 6.5 SP1 for Zen Server do some more Intel stuff. So um, seeing that and then also seeing more from the Linux side and possibly spreading out to other hypervisors as well because a, a big chunk of the cloud is also KVM too. So um, seeing KV, the, uh, the GPU support on the KVM side also on the hypervisor side. Simon, uh, if you had a, if you had, if you could wave your magic wand at the industry, is there anything you'd change around the GPU? A couple of things, certainly. Uh, just to echo uh, Sean on vMotion uh, support, yeah, we definitely need that. And Thomas on uh, GPU in the cloud. Uh, I think Amazon's the only big cloud vendor with any decent GPU support at the moment. That has to change. Um, but. Two things specifically that haven't been uh, adequately addressed. Uh, We spoke about Nutanix earlier and uh, their appliances. Uh, GPU support in appliances today is not good. Uh, Nutanix is the best and their 7000 series platform is looking very long in the tooth. Uh, We need to see if appliance vendors want to uh, stake a claim in this market, they've got to do it now. Um, I'm a big proponent of the use of, of appliances for VDI, and uh, I don't want to see that opportunity lost because uh, people are not willing to get on board here. But the, the biggest one that I want to see more than anything else is uh, to uh, to overcome the noisy neighbor uh, problem that Thomas talked about and see... Uh, 
fairness of uh, GPU compute uh, resources so that we can uh, overcome, we can, uh, we can achieve parity with GPU virtualization uh, compared with uh, CPU and memory virtualization on hypervisors today. Understood. Okay, so we, we have a we have a plethora of of, of, of wish lists there from you know more flexibility from a hypervisor point of view, better form factors to to, to, to allow us to achieve potentially greater density or even just reduce the footprint a little. We've got to talk about you know cloud enabled GPUs. AWS is out there, but as Thomas mentions, they've they've got a long way to come to, to be on parity with doing it on premises. Um, so yeah, and then you know the, from my point of view, I, I absolutely agree with everything that's been said so far. I think a little bit more information from the uh, about the perceived benefits would would help, um, and you know I mean even mezzanine cards, even the ability to pass through GPUs into their own little device where you can take the likes of you know kind of web scale technologies and lead cards up to an NVIDIA grid uh, rackable device, something to just allow these devices to be able to better leverage, but also keeping with the with the, with the way that the industry is moving at the moment. Um, so yeah, look, this this has been. Really Really, really good. Um, I've uh, we've we've worked. We're running fast out of time. In fact, we're way over. Uh, so I'm going to hand back over to to Jerry and now. Um, from my point of view, Thomas, Sean, Simon, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. I hope it was educational to the listeners. And uh, over to my colleague Jerry. Yeah, real quick, you kind of popped something. Maybe think about something real quick. A light bulb just went off about the mezzanine cards and the, the pass through stuff. I think didn't Dell once have a solution like that for a while, where you could take some of the cards and through a PCI card pass those through to the servers on some of those de- more density servers? I think like some of their C series had that in the past. Yes. It's just, just something yeah. you know. Maybe we'll see. Uh, uh, yes, uh, HP also have this solution where, where they actually have small mobile GPUs with missing card, and at G- Nvidia GTC there was also other vendors actually. There was a lot, a lot of solutions out there, so there's a lot of possibilities if you want to go that route. Okay. Very expensive route today, though, isn't it? No, it actually isn't. Uh, um, so it's actually quite an interesting thing. So I was eight, looking eight, at eight, some of these boxes, um, and they were talking a couple of thousand dollars per PCI slot. Well, I'm also talking about what HP and Dell is doing. Those so, I don't know, but the, the full-function 19-inch rack that does nothing other than take... Um, uh, GPU cards with a cable back to the server, they were very expensive. <laughs> so the, the, the thing is, I mean, the pr- price price is always in the is always in the eye of the person with the wallet open. And I think, as as we mentioned on the way through, I mean, the more information we can put around us, the more we can justify figures. I mean, ultimately, a GPU isn't isn't particularly expensive. I mean, Brian Madden covered that off quite well. And we all have a tendency to call things expensive until we actually understand what they do. And a lot of us have have uh, been accused of that recently on Twitter. So, um, yeah, with that, just just passing back over to Jerry and. and yeah, so once again, you know, thank you guys. It's been a, a very interesting and hot topic today. Um, for myself and Andy, we've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, thank you, Sean, Thomas, and, and Simon for joining us. Um, for myself and Andrew Morgan, this is the Frontline Tether Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, everybody.